My name is Kim File, and I am so excited to be with you this morning to gather as the body of Christ, um, to remember him, his ministry, and his life this morning. I feel like I still am in awe that we get to gather as a church together. I feel like since COVID, it's something we don't take for granted. So I feel thankful and um, grateful to be with you this morning. Um, before we begin, I just feel like I want to pause. Um, I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but I know this season for so many of us is crazy. Not only do we have Christmas parties going on, um, busyness of family gatherings, school activities, work activities. For some of us, we're wrapping up to have a few weeks off. For other of us, your jobs are ramping up. This is the busy time for you. Um, and even getting here this morning, like in my house, there's lots of tears happening and lots of reconciliation happening. Good for me to practice before I hear this morning. And so just a moment to pause, take some breaths, that we are here gathered together this morning. And I also want to acknowledge, for a lot of us, this season is filled with joy, with anticipation, with excitement of what's to come. But there's a lot of us in here that this season is filled with pain, with loneliness, um, a lot of really hard family conversations. And so we are glad that you're here if that is you. And I hope that you find time um, afterwards during our ministry time, have someone pray over you, be with you, because that is what the body of Christ is all about. So at church, we've been in a series together, um, an Advent series, which I love. I love having this time, even in the midst of the busyness, to stop and remember what we are celebrating I love that because it can get so busy during the year to say this is the time we are celebrating the birth of Christ. Um, and the series is called Ancient Future Advent, How the Stories of Old Point Us to the Future. And really, when I was preparing this message, I honestly struggled. I struggled because I didn't have time to sit with this. It felt like life was so busy. And finally, I had a good session with Ryan. We brainstormed, and I had quiet moments with the Lord. And finally, again and again, I had this phrase come to mind, remember who I am. Remember who I am. And so as we dive into scripture today, I want you to have that in the back of your mind. Remember who God is. All right, if you want to open your Bibles with me, we are going to be um, in Micah. And if you're not sure where Micah is, like myself, when I first started, I was like, wait, where's Micah? Micah is almost toward the New Testament of your Bible. It's the, in the prophets. So we are going to be in Micah 5, and we're going to read 1 through 5 together. And the title in your Bible, and my Bible, says, A Promised Ruler from Bethlehem. So verses 1 through 5. Marshal your troops, O city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. 
Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. So when we read this passage, I feel like I get two images in my head. I feel like there's verses 1 through 3, and there's verses 4 through 5. And the first verses opening up really describes the Savior who is to come as a powerful, conquering king, someone who will rule and bring the Israelite nation back to what it was. And if you were an Israelite during this time, hearing that would be awesome. Like, finally, our time has come. We have been held in captivity, slavery, um, abandoned, and now we will have a Savior who is going to come and rule in his strength and might. But then you have verses 4 and 5 come along, and it paints a different picture of who Jesus will be. It calls him a shepherd. And if you were to hear that, that would be quite disappointing. Because in this time, a shepherd was someone of very lowly, humble position. This was a shepherd was someone who slept with their sheep, took care of them day and night. This was not a high-ranking position. And not only that, it says he will come in the strength of the Lord. So not his own strength, his powerful might, but he will need to rely on the strength of the Lord. And so we get this picture of who will Jesus be? Who is the Savior that is to come? And you can imagine that 2,000 years later, when Jesus did come, people doubted it. Is this the king that we were waiting for? We fast forward to Jesus' birth. And even the birth of how he came didn't make sense. He was born not as a powerful king, but as a helpless baby in a manger. Born to parents of very low standing. Born to a woman who was pregnant before she was married. Born to a father who was a mere carpenter. Many doubted this could be the king and the savior. So we really look to Jesus' ministry and his life to see who was he? Who are we remembering in this season? We look to his life. Um, And what Jesus did, his whole ministry, his whole life, he pointed people to the gospel and invited them in to experience the reckless love of Jesus. And my favorite example of this, of his ministry, um, happens in John. John chapter 4. If you want to turn there, you're more than welcome to, but I'll kind of recap this story. Um, And I feel like this gives such the perfect example of who we are remembering this season. So John chapter 4, Jesus is in Samaria. He's walking along. He's hot. He's tired. He needs some water. In the distance, he sees a well. He sees a woman there, and he approaches her and asks for some water. Now, this in itself is revolutionary, that Jesus would approach a woman, and not only that, a woman of this standing— who was known in her community as an adulteress, someone who was full of sin and was really an outcast 
But Jesus approaches her, and he invites her to know the love of Christ, to know the freedom of Christ, and to know that she is accepted and loved by him. And the best part is she does. She fully accepts God's love. But then the story gets even better. Not only does she accept God's love, but she goes back to her community and she tells everybody about Jesus. And the whole community is saved. Because when we accept God's love for us, it is radically life-changing. And it has the power to radically change others' lives. And so this is who we are remembering this Christmas season. That God is love and that he recklessly pursues us to the ends of the earth. And I love this example in John 4 of what this could look like in our own lives when we accept the love. Now, I understand this concept seems so simple and basic. I mean, if you have been a part of the church for any amount of years, you know God is love. We know that Jesus loves us. It's a very elementary concept. But I think as adults, as we get older, this is more and more difficult to believe. If you ask a child, like I think of my own kids, like when I'm telling them Bible stories or talking about God, it's like, yes, mom, I know God loves me. Like we know that and they love it and says, yes, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves others. It is so easy for them to believe and to know for their own lives. But as adults, as we get older, we carry with us shame. We carry with us guilt. We have baggage and trauma from our past that starts over time making us feel that we are not worthy of God's love. I can remember a time for myself in college. Um, at this time, I was not really following the Lord, and the life I was living was not honoring to the Lord. And I can remember a very specific time in my little apartment, just laying on the floor, weeping, and just wanting God's love so desperately. But I don't know if you've ever been in this place where you don't even want to pray because you don't feel worthy. You don't even want to enter into the presence of God because you're like, the life I've been living or what I have done is not worthy of God's love. I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that. And I feel like very much the woman at the well probably very felt similar for a minute. Of I am not worthy of the love that God gives. And so, yes, it is simple, but it gets harder as we get older to say, Lord, take that shame, take that doubt, that fear, whatever it may be that is hindering us from experiencing that. And I think that's why also God gives us the example of having childlike faith. Because he knew, as God does, because he knows all things, that we would have a hard time believing this over time. That he, would, he knew that children would just 
desperately love him and want to be loved by him. And he knew that adults, this would be hard for us. We would have a difficult time really believing this. And so we have the story um, in Mark 10, verse 13. I love this. And if you can just imagine with me, Jesus sitting on a hillside, big, maybe grassy area, or maybe not because it was probably really hot, but um, sitting there teaching to a crowd, and all of a sudden these children want to run and be with Jesus because they have probably heard from their parents about this Jesus. They have heard how much Jesus loves them, how much he has the power to change lives, and all they want to do is be with him. And then all of a sudden, the disciples kind of like block the kids from coming. If you imagine like little bodyguards around Jesus, not allowing it. And the best part is like Jesus doesn't say, oh, just please step aside, disciples, let the children come. He rebukes the disciples and says, let the children come. And then he tells them, let, encourages the crowd, have childlike faith. For they just know and they believe. And what I want to do this morning, and this may seem a little different, but I want to read um, from the Storybook Bible. This is one of our, it's very well loved in our house. We don't have the cover anymore. Um, the Storybook Bible gives a description of what this story would have looked like. Um, I love this Bible so much. The first year we started reading it with our kids, after every story, I would cry because it just gives this beautiful picture of God's ever-pursuing love for us. And after every story, the kids would be like, oh, mom's crying again. <laughs> because it's so basic, yet when we hear that, that God will always pursue us, that he always loves us, it is like balm to a wound to our hearts. So I'm going to read just a short description of what this would have looked like as the children ran to Jesus. And it says, would you have done just what these children did? Run straight up to Jesus and let him pick you up in his arms and swing you and kiss you and hug you and then sit you on his lap and listen to your stories and chats. You see, children loved Jesus, and they knew they didn't need to do anything special for Jesus to love them. All they needed to do was run into his arms, and that's just what they did. They just knew that when they run to Jesus, there they will find love and acceptance for who they are. And so as we believe this, as we work on the things in our heart that hinder us from accepting God's love, it radically changes our lives. And just as the woman at the well, it radically changed her community this isn't something that we accept and we get changed, but because when it takes root in our heart, when it goes deep, it pushes outward, and it has the power to change our community. So in this season of Christmas, 
this is my hope and prayer, that we remember who Jesus is. He is love. And he has the power to radically transform our lives and our communities. So what I want to do this morning is just have a time of reflection for us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. Um, and they are just going to kind of play quietly in the background. <clears throat> but I want us to take a moment to pause and reflect on this. Because I know as soon as we leave here, life happens again. Some of you guys are like, I already got like three things going on today. So I want to take time here together as the church to process this. And just quietly um, on your own, and if we can put up the two questions on the screen. So the first question that I would love for you to just take time. It says, when we remember who Jesus is his, and he is love, how does this change our lives, our families, our workplace, our school community, our neighborhood, how does this change our lives? So just take a few moments to think about that, and then we'll have one more question. Okay, next question. And this one's a little more deep and, you know, not going to get solved right now. But it says, what are the things in your life standing in the way of knowing Jesus' love? Like I think back onto the time um, when I was weeping in my apartment. It wasn't just an overnight thing where the next day I was like, okay, I know God's love. It took work. It took um, spiritual leadership in my life, counseling, therapy, to work toward a place of knowing and freely accepting that God loved me just as I was. And so this isn't going to get solved this morning, but what are the things, maybe asking the Lord to bring them to your mind that are really hindering you from knowing and accepting God's love today?
And before I pray, um, just to challenge you to keep processing that. And that in this season, again, that the words of remembering who God is, remember who I am, that that would be at the forefront of your mind. Um, and I love in the kids' Bible, this phrase is repeated over and over again, and my kids have memorized it, and I love it so much of describing Jesus' love. So I just leave you with this. May this Christmas season, may you ever be surprised by Jesus' never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Let me just pray for us. Lord, we thank you that you came, helpless as a babe, a ministry full of calling people to something greater, calling people to experience your reckless love. Lord, that in this season, that's what we remember. That's what we celebrate. Lord, that we get to experience that in your fullness every day. Lord, may we intentionally pause and let that soak in. And when it does, Lord, let it radically change our life and then let it radically change our community for the sake of your glory. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.